aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of Can't Wait is Visa, a network working for everyone. Welcome into the Can't Wait podcast. I'm Marissa Morris, joined by Connor Hughes, our Jets beat writer here at The Athletic. Tim McMaster is off, still celebrating the birth of his daughter. Connor, a lot to get to today as Mac Jones, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots come to town. We'll preview the matchup with New England. We'll take a look around the AFC East, and our Can't Wait picks are back. We were, you know, celebrating baby McMaster last week, and we kind of forgot about them, but Tim has submitted his picks, so we will have them later in the show. But before we get to all of that, we've got to talk about Thursday night football last night, Connor. The Washington football team winning 30-20 to over the Giants with a game-winning field goal. And Connor, you were tweeting a lot during the game. Hmm. How would you describe what you watched Thursday night? The Giants are a disaster. I mean, I'm sure that's – I think that's a that one's pretty obvious, at least through this point, is that that team is just a a mitigated disaster. I mean, when you look at the Jets, like the Jets are not a very good football team right now, but at least there is a vision and a place where they're building and they've got young players that they're, that they're building towards and they're trying to get to. This is like just – you look at and and I I'm more in the boat of that I'm not ready to write off Joe Judge yet. I'm not willing to say that Joe Judge is a poor head coach yet. I'm I'm not even probably willing to go as far as saying like Daniel Jones is not the option just because you see what Eli Manning did throughout his career. I mean, he was you you can win in this league without being Pat Mahomes. You can win in this league without being Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Eli Manning has more Super Bowls than both of those guys and he was in no way shape or form anywhere as talented as those two players, but when you look at the way that this roster is constructed and the way that what Dave Gettleman has done since he's been that team's general manager, you've got $72.5 million going to a receiver that had some concerns and question marks going in. And now there's tape of him just lighting up Daniel Jones on the yeah, sideline. That was you've rough. got Tadarius. Yeah. You got Kadarius Tony, a guy that everyone said, like, why were you drafting him? complaining after the game now about not being used as much as a rookie. You've got Leonard Williams, a player who anyone who has ever watched Leonard Williams tell you he's going to regress to the norm after that season last year, making $21.5 million to basically be invisible every time Washington dropped back to pass. So, I mean, look, you can go as far as Sam Beal. You can go to B.J. Hill. You can go to everyone else that this team has drafted that has just not worked, including Saquon Barkley, who, I, I mean, it's... It seems like that guy just runs into defenders like he gets the handoff. And again, I'm not a Penn State guy. Anyone who watches this podcast knows that. But it's like he just gets the handoff. And if it isn't this massive breakoff run that maybe happens once a game, maybe he just runs right into the defender for no gain or less than three yard gain. I mean, the guy at one point had one rush for 41 yards and six rushes for zero yards. He's like Barry Sanders, but not anywhere near as good. So it's just... Everything Dave Gettleman has touched has basically disintegrated in his hands. And the fact that the Giants stuck with him because they almost won a division at six and ten last year is just mind blowing. And and you want to talk about tides turning in New York and this going from oh big brother, little brother thing. This is as close to the Jets legitimately being this the big brother in New York that uh. I can ever remember. And the reasoning for that is that after this year. You're going to now get into the point where what do you do if you're the Giants? Because the Giants are steamrolling towards a 3-13, and 4-12, and 5-11 and 11 season again. And if that happens, Dave Gettleman's getting fired. But now you're bringing in a new GM and telling him he has to keep Joe Judge. The GM 
head coach arranged marriages almost never work. And I have a hard time to see it working this time. And the Giants, because they've stuck with Dave Gettleman as long as they have, because they hired Dave Gettleman in the first place when everyone was like, mm, I don't think you should do that. Because they stuck with him as long as they did. This team's behind the eight ball. I mean, this is going to be like wh- whoever this new GM is hired, they're basically going to be starting a rebuild. But now you're starting a rebuild with a $21 million defensive lineman, you, uh, investments in first round picks that aren't going to work. You have to decide if you want to pay Saquon Barkley all of this. I mean, it's just, the Giants are a very, very bad football team. That was very obvious last night, whether they finished, whether they managed to win that game or not. They are going to be a bad football team for a very long time. I am very confident in saying that. All right. So you're talking about who's big brother in New York. Well, we all know who's been the Jets' big brother in the AFC East. But there's a new era. How Tim about transition. How about oh, transition? my goodness. Look at that. You got to cut that one and send it to Tim. <laughs> oh, man. I hope Tim's somewhere. I hope Tim is like Mandy probably just finished. I don't know how I, I'm very ignorant when it comes to children, but I'm sure Mandy did something with a child in the morning. And now Tim, I just imagine Tim is like sitting in their apartment with three hats behind him, just rocking back and forth with baby McMaster on his on his uh, chest, listening to the Can't Wait podcast. And he heard that transition. And there was just a little a little Timmy smile that just came across his face like like a proud father, like I taught her so well. I just I imagine that is just what happened because that was a great transition, a great an unscripted transition. Well, yes, done. that was unscripted. I have a lot of this show scripted because I need my notes, but that was very unscripted. So, that all right, good. let's let's get into the Patriots. Obviously, the big storyline of the game, Zach Wilson versus Mac Jones. Wilson, the number two overall pick in the 2021 draft. Jones going. 15 to New England. I think both teams would hope this is a new era and the first of many matchups for years to come between these two guys. But what are you looking to see from the rookie QBs on Sunday? I think it's fun just, well, it's tough because, look, from a, a quarterbacking perspective, and now I have gotten in trouble. Actually, no, I didn't get in trouble because what I said was I like when, when it's similar with different teams and different ways you can describe it like so uh 2019 when the Jets drafted Zach uh when the Jets drafted Sam Darnold 2018 when the Jets drafted 19 when Jets drafted 18 my goodness it's so early I'm sorry I woke up like 30 minutes ago 2018 when the Jets drafted Sam Darnold obviously the Bills also drafted later on in the draft Josh Allen and and there was always the comparing of this guy to that guy this guy to that guy like you know how like let's like well what do the Jets have in Sam Darnold compared to what the Bills have in in Josh Allen one thing that I, I kind of routinely said back then and, and the way that I viewed it now, I was very wrong in my Sam Darnold assessment because when the Jets drafted Sam Darnold, I always thought you were going to get – I thought the Jets had a franchise quarterback. I did. And and it wasn't until I think last year where I realized I was like, that's not the case. I don't think Sam Darnold's all that good. And, you know, you give him some time to develop, blah, blah, blah. But when you were comparing the two, it was like, okay, what do we got here? And I remember saying Sam Darnold, I think, is going to be the better quarterback of the two. Because I thought he had the lower basement. That he was a guy, he was the safer quarterback and he could go up and be the better quarterback. Because, you know, he had some athleticism, just not as much athleticism. He had arm strength, just not as much arm strength. But he had a lot of accuracy and he played in a bigger program at USC. And he was going to a situation where you you presume the Jets were going to a little bit further along, blah, blah, blah. It was kind of like, all right, Sam can be a better quarterback. But when it came to the ceiling of what somebody could have become with better coaching, with development, the better chance 
was always Josh Allen because you cannot coach his arm strength. He is more athletic. He just needed to figure out how to read a defense, how to play the NFL level, and he had to figure out that accuracy. And obviously, he's a guy who almost completed, you know, was a couple decimal or a, a couple fractional points away from completing 70% of his passes last year. But you saw like the comparing of like, okay, different quarterbacks, who's the better situation? Who's the better passer? Who needs to be developed? Who doesn't? When I look at Zach Wilson, I look at Mac Jones. I don't think that there is any denying that from an athletic and talent perspective, Zach Wilson is the Josh Allen from the previous comparison that we were just talking about. You know, he's got significantly more arm strength than Mac Jones. He is significantly more athletic than Mac Jones. He can do things improvisationally that Mac Jones cannot, which would give you like, okay, let's put the feather and the advantage check mark next to Zach Wilson. But on the flip side of the coin, when you look at Mac Jones, he's not as talented with his arm in terms of, of being able to chuck it down the field, but he's got more than enough arm strength. He is maybe at this point more accurate than Zach Wilson is at this point. Zach Wilson can make every throw. Zach Wilson can make some, wow, oh my God, I can't believe he fitted in their throws. But on a consistent throw-to-throw basis, Mac Jones is a little bit further along. He's also a little bit further along in his development just because he played in a true pro-style offense in Alabama at a little bit better competition a lot of bit better competition at Alabama. You know what I mean? So he experienced those things as well. So he's also in a better situation in terms of the surrounding talent. Now, I think the Jets have the advantage with receivers, but there's no comparing the two tight ends. I don't think there's any compare. I think Harris is a stud running back. I think the offensive line for New England is better. And I think the defense for New England, while the Jets have the advantage defensive line, I think the defense as a whole is better than uh, what the Jets have. And coaching-wise, while you can love LaFleur and you can love Sala and you can believe what the Jets are building here, right now there is no denying that there is a coaching advantage on New England as well. I mean, Bill Belichick is one of the best, is probably the best coach to ever do it. Josh McDaniels is a proven track record as an offensive coordinator and one of the better offensive coordinators in the NFL. So there's a more proven track record there. But what's going to be fun is you got the more talent in Zach Wilson, probably the better situation right now in, in uh, Mac Jones. How does this evolve? How does this change? How does this grow over the next 5, 10, 15 years? It's going to be so fun to watch Zach Wilson develop, Mac Jones develop, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala continue to put pieces around Zach Wilson to get them to a point where they are on par with the New England Patriots, where they are on par with obviously the team that is currently the reigning division champions, the Buffalo Bills. This is going to be a war that rages if both teams, you know, if this pans out the way both teams hope. This is going to be a war that rages for the next 15, 20 seasons. And this is the first battle of that war. And it's going to be so fun to watch this go throughout. I'm excited. I'll be honest. I I can't remember the last time that even when Sam was a rookie, even when Sam was going into year two, like maybe the Cowboy game when he was coming back from mono, where I was like, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see how Sam looks. Zach has like this potential and this aura around him where it's like I, for the first time in a long time, I'm excited to watch him play quarterback. That's not a fan. Obviously, you guys know where I stand on that. That's not a a fan boy. That's not money on the line with bets. That is literally just after watching Zach in that opener and seeing some of the things he does improvisationally, there's like this little magic around him. That week in, week out, I'm going to be excited to watch him play just to see what he can't do. And as a team, as a guy who's covered this team since 2014, I've never felt that way about a quarterback before like I do Zach. And now to see him Sunday not only go up against the New England Patriots, 
but a quarterback drafted in the first round. First time the Jets and Patriots have drafted quarterbacks in the first round together since 1983, which was also the same year Dan Marino ended up going to the Dolphins. So, you know, it didn't work out for either side. But it's it's I'm so excited to watch Zach go up against the Patriots, but also Zach and Mac just go. I know they're not playing each other because offense, defense, but like just trade blows one for one and, and watch this now for the next 15, 20 years because there has been no comparing the Jets-Patriots rivalry throughout the last two decades. I mean, the last time the Jets finished a decade with a re- winning record was 19 was the were the 1990s. They lost bad in the 2000s. They lost obviously bad in the 2010s. The Patriots have won their last 10 meetings. The Jets have not beaten the Patriots since Eric Decker caught that pass in 2015 in overtime, which, you know, kept their playoff hopes alive. So I I don't feel like, you know, the Jets are ready to just put the Patriots in a buzzsaw and just kind of cruise on through. But there is like this feeling that the the ass kicking that the Patriots basically gave the Jets when Tom Brady was this team's quarterback, they're almost they're evening out a little bit. And now they're going to be jockeying throughout the rest of the the, the foreseeable future uh, of all things go according to plan. I think that'll be really fun. Well, talk about excitement. I'm sure Zach Wilson is excited to get wide receivers Keelan Cole and Jamison Crowder back this weekend. How much of a boost is this to the receiving core and how can they help Zach Wilson? Well, it's big. And I I think it's big because it's proven. I mean, you are getting two legitimate boosts. Now, obviously, the Jets are going to keep starting Corey Davis and, and Elijah Moore outside. I mean, those are your two starting receivers. Obviously, Elijah Moore had a down game. Week one, but he is somebody that, that we talked to Mike LaFleur on Thursday. And LaFleur said that he anticipates a big game for Elijah Moore. Robert Salas spoke very similarly, that he thinks it's going to be another big game for Elijah Moore, that this is a kid with a head on his shoulders. He's upset with how the opener went, but he's motivated. He's not somebody that's going to go into his shell. He's not going to do what Kadarius Tony did and start complaining about his role on offense. He's going to work, 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 and he's going to work himself out of a slump. And, and there were opportunities there for make plays. He just didn't. And I would anticipate now that he's back going again that now when he's comfortable again he's gonna he's gonna make a pretty big impact i think we're talking about that later in the show um but it'll uh they'll be your two starters same but now braxton barrios in the slot there's a huge upgrade with jamison crowder taking over braxton barrios i know that there's a large portion of this jets fan base who are obsessed with braxton barrios and love braxton barrios braxton barrios is a good player jamison crowder is a very good player jamison crowder is one of the better slot receivers in the nfl he's somebody who you know, when he's one of those guys that almost like improvisationally, all you need is to give him a little space and tell him, like, get open, and he gets open. Him and Zach started finding some good chemistry later on and towards the end of training camp. You're going to see that come along a little bit more and develop a little bit more, and you're going to see those guys. So to get him back in there, Keelan Cole, another veteran. You know what I mean? Like Jeff Smith, the Jets like some of his athletic ability, but it's it's not the same. I mean, Keelan Cole is a proven veteran. He's somebody who can stretch the field. I remember talking to Michael about him because they played together in Jacksonville. And he said he's one of those dudes who, when the ball is in the air, he just has a tendency to find it. Like, he just has a tendency to find the football when it's in the air, one of those 50-50 guys. And so to add those two players, add two proven players to the mix for Zach, it's going to help him. Because now it's, it's again, it's it's the weirdest thing to talk about with the Jets, but it, they really do have a group of receivers who are all pretty good. And you have one in Corey Davis who looks like he could be very good. And one in Elijah Moore, whom the Jets believe can develop into a superstar. So you now have a four-deep rotation of very good players. The days of Lawrence Cager and, and Jermaine Curse and Deontay Burnett having to play meaningful reps are over. You've got Corey Davis, Elijah Moore outside, Jamison Crowder in the slot, Keelan Cole coming off the bench, and Jeff Smith 
as like your trick guy with Braxton Berrios also working in there for some plays. That's a receiving group that a large number of NFL teams would be very content with. A large number of teams would be very happy with. There's not too many receiving cores that are, you can go top heavy. You can absolutely talk about other receiving cores where you're like, okay, the number one is better than that, or the number two is better than that, or one and two, but one through four, I don't know if there's that many teams in the NFL that have a one through four rotation like the Jets do. As crazy as that sounds, the mean, the average talent of those top four receivers is better than a lot of teams around the NFL because usually there's a drop-off after two. There's a drop-off after three. There really isn't that much of a drop-off for the Jets one through four. So to get those two guys back in the fold, to get those two guys going again, um, I think it's going to it's gonna help this offense, and especially it's going to help Zach because it's just more weapons, it's just more hands out there, and it's more things that he can do when he drops back to pass. All right, well, we all know Bill Belichick will be looking to take away all of those top talent, and we know Bill Belichick does a great job at taking away the opposing team's top guy and biggest threat. So if you're Belichick, who are you looking to take away from the Jets on Sunday? Yeah, this is like the DJ question. I swear to God, he asked every single person this week at practice or this week at conferences, whoever came up there, DJ asked him about uh, the new Daily News guy. I friggin' love him. He's a great kid. But like every person that came up there, he asked him about Corey Davis. It was awesome. Uh, and like them taking away Corey Davis. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, in, in the past, the, the guy that the Patriots singled and said they wanted to take out and they did a very good job of was Jameson Crowder. He was the one that when Adam Gase was running the show, the, and Gase knew this and the Jets knew this, that the player that the the, the Patriots are going to say, yeah, you're not beating us with this guy was Jamison Crowder. They were going to take him out of the fold. The difference between the Jets teams of 2019 and 2020 and the Jets teams now is kind of what we were just talking about is that if you take Corey Davis away, yeah, Corey Davis is is probably the Jets. He He is the Jets most proven player. He's somebody that after Elijah Moore went down with, got into a really good rapport and developed really good chemistry with Zach Wilson. He's somebody that Zach goes to time and time again when plays break down, when he needs a play, when he needs the big strike. He's the one he looks to because he's confident in him. He knows what he can do. All of, like, Corey Davis is clearly the Jets' number one. If the Patriots take him away and that's the player the Jets single out or the Patriots single out as the guy they want to take away, who I think that is going to be the player, they say, like, all right, that's the guy we're not going to let beat us. This isn't like yesteryear. Like we were just talking about, Marissa, the, the Jets actually have players now that they can turn to that they're confident in. They are confident in Jamison Crowder because if Corey Davis is taken away and they're bracketing Corey Davis, well, then suddenly Jamison Crowder can feast on the middle of the field. Uh, Elijah Moore, and, and, and I know Bill Belichick's going to be looking at him because he's the one player in this receiving core that is truly like explosive, explosive. I think Corey, I don't know if Corey Davis, I would characterize or label explosive yet like in terms of like can just take the top off I mean, he's a good receiver he might be considered a great receiver after the end of the season but Elijah Moore is the explosive one that's going to give if you're focusing so much on Corey Davis that allows now Elijah Moore to work it allows Jamison Crowder to work it allows Keelan Cole to come off and work I mean the Jets do have other options and the other thing too is if you're focusing on a receiver if you don't want a receiver to beat you remember this is a Jets team and a Jets offense that wants to make it work on the ground. This is a Jets team and offense that that's that's their bread and butter. Their bread and butter is going to be a rushing attack, a running game that then alleviates pressure off the pass. Whether it's short passing, screen passing, running between the tackles, stretch plays. I mean, the Jets want to run the football just like the 49ers do out west. So if the Patriots say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna take away Corey Davis, well, that might make it easier for the Jets to run the ball. So 
Look, the the Jets have been such an anemic and pathetic offense for so long. The difference this year is that they actually have options. This isn't like cross your fingers and just hope that somebody else gets open. I mean, I remember talking to Gates before one of the games against the Patriots in 2019, I think it was. And he had Vincent Smith and Demarius Thomas circled as guys who had to step up if the Jets had a chance to beat the Patriots. Now the Jets can say, okay, you take away Corey Davis. We're going to rely on our running game, which is supposed to be our bread and butter. Elijah Moore, Jamison Crowder, Keelan Cole. Like they're like any one of those guys that I just mentioned in the receiving game, Moore, Cole, um, and well, Crowder was obviously there, but Moore and Cole, both of those guys would have been the Jets number one receiver in 19 and 20. Like, so it's, it's, it's a different era of Jets football now. Now they still have to develop. They still have to come along. There's still little things that they need to work on and fine tune. And it's not perfect. And obviously if the Patriots are getting into the backfield with stunts and blitzes and, and putting pressure on Zach Wilson, none of this will matter, but this is a new eight. This is a new era of Jets offensive football because you actually, for the first time in a long time, have a true complement of receivers, a true rotation of receivers, and a true grouping of receivers that a defense has to fear. It's not just one guy. And the last time I can ever remember saying that about a Jets team was 2015 with, with Decker and, and uh, Marshall. And that was really only two guys. Quincy was still really low coming along. Jeremy Curley was nothing like Jamison Crowder. So, I mean, it's 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 a good it's a good situation the Jets are in because even if the Patriots say we're taking away Corey Davis, they do have other options on offense to turn to, which they haven't over the last several years. All right. Well, in order to have a good run game, you need some protection from your offensive line. And we are going to get to that very shortly. We'll also get to the Jets defense and our can't wait picks. But first, a message from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to the Can't Wait podcast. And Connor, we've talked a lot about the offensive line on the last episode, and we just got to get to it again today. Zach mm-hmm. Wilson sacked six times versus the Panthers. Mekhi Becton's now out four to six weeks. What is the game plan going up against the Patriots defense, and how have they tried to make adjustments to protect Zach Wilson this week? So the Jets basically believe, and, and this is from – you know, they, they talked about this openly this week is that they're not overly worried about the protection. They're not as worried about the protection as you are. They're not as worried about the protection as I am. They're not as worried about the protection as a lot of people in the fan Should base they are. Be? Should they be? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I go back and watch the rant that I gave, you know, what was that five days ago? And it'll that'll answer that. I'll answer that question for you. Yes, I would say that you should be because. I mean, I'm not going to go on a whole rant again, but the one thing I'll say on it is just like this isn't an isolated incident. This isn't this isn't one bad game. This is and this is where I disagree with. I, I know Rich had, had written a story about like, oh, you know, there are ways to fix it. It's not on the off blah, 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 not all on the offensive line. And where, you know, when Rich and I had dinner with Daryl and Andy after the game and Andy was kind of on the same boat of like, oh, don't be worried about it. My stance was if this was good protection throughout the summer. If this was good protection against the Eagles, if this was good protection against the Packers, if this was then a 
breakdown against the Panthers, I would say, okay, you can lean back on all of these different areas where the Jets offensive line had success and say like, okay, look, they were good here. This was fine here. This was developing here. It was just a step back, but they'll be fine. They can get back. It was just a bad game. The difference is that this is like I said on Monday's show or Tuesday's show. I'm sorry. They were abysmal throughout the summer. They were abysmal in OTAs and minicamp. They were abysmal against the Packers and they were abysmal against the, the Eagles. And then they were abysmal against the Panthers. So why is this suddenly going to be something that if they couldn't fix it throughout the entire summer, if they couldn't fix it throughout all of training camp, if they couldn't fix it throughout two joint practices with the Packers and two joint practices against the Eagles, how are they going to fix it in three practices this week on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday? Like, it, it, it's this isn't some isolated incident. This has been an offensive line that could not pass block for the last two months. How do you fix it in three practices? How? I, I, I don't, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I've said it before. I'm not a coach. So I don't, maybe I am wrong. But that to me, it's like the whole, like, what? If it, if it looks like a duck, duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it smells like a duck, then maybe it's a duck. Like, it sure I've never as hell heard looks it like it smells like a duck, but yes, I get, you. I get your vibe. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, hey, Semrest, I'm not firing on all cinder, cylinders here. Um, if it, uh, it, <laughs> Walks uh, like a duck, talks like a duck, I think is what yeah. you were going for. All right. Smells if it walks like, like a duck, duck, same thing. Yeah, if it walks like a duck, duck. if it tucks, talks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, if it smells like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it, it's a fucking duck. And so this jets off its line, sucks, or it looks like it sucks, so maybe it's not good. Like, if it looks so bad throughout all of these practices, and you get to the season, and it again looks bad, maybe it's just bad. That's my opinion on it all. Like, that's, I, but... You know, look, I, all, all I can do is ask the questions to the players and ask the questions to the coaches. How do you fix it? How do you do it? That's my job. And then I can tell you what they say and what the Jets say. Is, God, it's such an eye roll. Uh, what the Jets say is that this is just communication issues. This is just minor breakdowns where they look and they see, okay, we can fix this here. If we communicate better there, if we can do this here, if we can do this there, Everything will be better if Zach Wilson releases the ball a little quicker, if the running backs help out in chipping, if the hot route is run by the receivers the right way. I mean, that's where that's what Salah means when he says protection is a collective it, uh, effort. This is not just on the offensive line. It comes down to the quarterback making the right reads. It comes down to the receivers running the right routes. It comes down to the running backs helping. It comes down to everyone communicating with each other to identify the pressure packages to then figure out how to pick them up, to then go unblock them and have a play executed effectively and properly. That's how the Jets believe it'll fix. Personally, if you want to cling to any hope, it is that unlike the offensive line the Jets trotted out week one, while that was their most physically talented group of their offensive lines, it was an offensive line that had never worked together, except for the week leading into that game. This offensive line that the Jets are going to trot out on week two against the Patriots at least they have two weeks of working together because Mekhi Becton missed those two weeks with a concussion. That was also when Elijah Vera Tucker came back. So the Jets did work with George Fan at left tackle, Morgan Moses at right tackle, Vera Tucker, uh, Vera Tucker, Greg Van Roten, and Connor McGovern. The Jets did work that offensive line. So you can say, okay, well, at least they have a little more time working together. At least they have a little more chemistry together. At least they've communicated more before. At least they're further along in that 
communication stage that the Jets want. This grouping of five is a little bit further along than the, than what the one the Jets trotted out. But now you're also talking about a, a right tackle that probably isn't all that good to begin with. Now he's got to play left tackle. Morgan Moses, who lost the position battle to that right tackle, is now your right tackle. It's there's. And you were, tweeting this, you were tweeting this week about Fant talking about going to left tackle, right? He said and, it's hard. And, yeah, yeah, he said like, it's going to be a like challenge. It's using, like using your right hand for something your whole life. A or, pitcher. You, you play know. to a pitcher pitching with the yeah, other hand. Exactly. Exactly. So it's not as it's not as just switching to the other side. Everything Correct. is weird. Yeah. Correct. And it's and it's and it's an, an issue. And and the Jets say they're not worried. Sala also said he wasn't worried going into week one. I'm worried. I don't I don't know how else to put that. I don't know how else to worry that. And again, it's the reasoning for it is that I struggle taking the stance that Rich did. I struggle taking the stance that um the Jets have. I struggle taking the stance that Andy has because what I fall back on is not well, they'll be able to fix communication. It, oh, they'll be able to fix the the mental the uh, the mental errors. Oh, they'll be able to get more on the same page. I struggle to say like, okay, yeah, I believe that. Because again, this wasn't an isolated incident. I don't, I don't want to rant again. If you want to listen to that rant, just go pull up the show from Monday, but or Tuesday, I'm sorry, just pull up the show from Tuesday. But it's like, they couldn't block in OTAs. They couldn't block in minicamp. They couldn't block in training camp. They couldn't block their own defensive line, the Packers defensive line, the Eagles defensive line, or the Panthers defensive line. So why now, after Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday's practice, have they just figured it all out? If it was so easy to figure it all out, why didn't they figure it all out with all of the practices they had in training camp, or all of the practices they had in minicamp, or all of the practices that they had in these joint workouts, or all of the practices they had leading into the Panthers game? If they couldn't figure it out then, why are they suddenly going to figure out this week against the defense, by the way, Marissa, that is going to be ridiculously complicated and is going to see everything that the Jets couldn't do in week one and go, okay, we're going to rocket science the hell out of this one and make it so much more complicated, make it so much more convoluted and make it so much more, so much harder and more challenging for the Jets to diagnose and break down and figure out and then throw that at a rookie quarterback. I mean, there's a reason why Bill Belichick is almost unbeatable for rookie quarterbacks. I mean, Sam Darnold was in his second year and Belichick had him seeing ghosts. So it's like there is there is a huge, aside from the Jets just trying to get out of their own way, aside from the Jets just figuring out how to block by their own admission an incredibly vanilla Panthers attack, aside from all of that, the Jets now have to go up against one of the best, if not the greatest defensive mind to ever live a talented defensive line that is going to make it their job to confuse their rookie quarterback and confuse the offensive line and make communicating impossible because you're not going to know what you're supposed to communicate and throw it out there and make make no mistake about it. Bill Belichick wants to show that he drafted the right quarterback. Bill Belichick wants to show that Mac Jones is a better player than Zach Wilson. And the way that he can do that is make Zach Wilson's life miserable and make Zach Wilson incapable of functioning on Sunday. And he's done it before. I think Zach's, Zach's talented enough and smart enough to withstand it and tread water. But I am just as concerned about the protection going into week two as I was going into week one, despite what the Jets have said about, oh, we think we can fix it. We know we can fix it. It's just communication. All right. Well, we will see how that shakes out. Let's switch over to the defense. Um, 
two guys to focus on for the Patriots, tight ends, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith last week. Smith was had five receptions on five targets for 42 yards. Henry, three receptions on three targets for 31 yards. Jets going up against tight ends hasn't always been the best mix. How do the Jets go about defending these two with all of the injuries at linebacker and safety? Yeah, you know, Jeff Ulbrich talked to us uh, on Thursday, um, and he actually was it, it was pretty fun talking. He's he's been a very good interview since since the couple of times we've talked to him in these back to back weeks. I mean, I find him to be very honest. I find him to be very open. Um, he does not talk down to you. He talks to you like you understand the game of football. I mean, he's he's willing to go into the X's and O's, but he's also able to take the advanced X's and O's that, that a lot of us can't even understand and, and make them easier to understand. I mean, he's been honest, which is big for coaches because sometimes they're not. And it was fun listening to him talk post Panthers because, you know, we, we asked him about how McCaffrey was able to go off. I mean, McCaffrey almost had 100 yards rushing and, and nearly had 100 yards receiving as well. And, and what he said was like, look, when I got hired, hanging in my office by Sala was a sign that said eliminate explosive plays. And our goal as a defense is going to be to eliminate explosive plays. Our goal is going to be to not get the top taken off of us. And if that means giving up some of the dinks and dunks, if that means having sometimes receivers put up really gaudy numbers because of yak and all this underneath stuff, we're fine having that. We're just not going to let up the explosive plays. And if you look, I mean, look, the Jets allowed 19 points on Sunday. And that was with McCaffrey having almost 100 yards rushing and almost 100 yards receiving. So one player had almost 200 cumulative yards. And the Jets only allowed 19 points. They allowed just three points in that second half. Now, obviously, it could have been better if Sam hit throws and Sam played a poor game, yada, yada, yada. But still that and, and the Jets did allow one explosive play to Robbie, that 57 yarder. So it's hard to say I want to stop explosive play, stop explosive play, stop explosive play. Oh, there's a 60 yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson. But, you know, for the most part, they did the job that they wanted to do. They did what they wanted to do. I don't think the Jets are going to go in with this defense and say, like, all right, well, C.J. Mosley is going to cover Janu and, you know, Phillips is going to cover Henry, Henry, Hunter Henry. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to put it on Red Wine. I don't think they're going to put it on Colbert. I think they're going to put it on Marcus May. I think you're going to see Jets defense run additionally a, a lot of zone. Like I think you're going to see them run a lot of zone. I think you're going to try to just – because I don't think the Jets have the personnel to say, you take him, you take him, and we'll take them out of the game. And, and that's – and that's it's going to be – it's going to be a fun one to watch. It's going to be an interesting one to watch. It's going to be cool to watch how, how this chess match goes between Ulbrich and Salah and Josh McDaniels because you know McDaniels is going to want to feature the tight ends. You know he's going to see a weakness in the middle and on the second tier of the Jets defense and want to exploit it with his tight ends. You know that there are very few teams in the NFL that have the one-two punch at tight end like the Patriots have. How they shut them down and then how the adjustments they make at halftime because that's where the Jets really made their money last week with Ulbrich and Salah is the halftime adjustments that they were able to make that then shut the Panthers down in the second half. How the Jets take that and go and 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 come out with an initial game plan, then adjust it some in the second half, and then adjust the adjustments that the Patriots make to try to shut them down, it's going to be fun to watch. Now, I, like I said, they don't have the personnel to just go man-to-man, shut them out that way. I think it's going to be a lot of zone. I think it's going to be bracketing. I think it's going to be picking your poison, saying, like, okay, on this play, 
we know we're not going to have this area, but we're going to take away this. It's going to be a, a similar, I think, to what they did in, against the Panthers, where they said, we're not going to let explosive plays beat us. If you want to dink and dunk, that's fine. I think it's going to be a similar game plan here where they're going to say, all right, we're not going to let this happen. You're going to have to take us out here. And and not to, again, be the continual bearer of bad news is that I just don't know how the Jets are going to be able to shut down both of them for four quarters. You might have one quarter one where Janu makes the plays and then quarter two when uh, Henry, I keep wanting to say Henry Anderson, where Henry makes the plays and you might have this quarter where he comes back in this quarter. It's going to be, it's going to, it's, this Patriots offense with their ability to run the ball, their ability to make plays out of the slot with Aguilar, their ability to, to then have those two tight ends in packages split wide in the backfield, lined up at tight end wherever they want to put them all over the field. They present as much of a matchup mismatch problem to this Jets defense as I think any other team in the NFL within reason. Like obviously the Chiefs have everything, so that's different. But as far as just the construction of a normal team, this one is built to give the Jets defense some fits. And and this is one where I could see the points going up a little bit more than what you saw in the opener against the, the Panthers. This is also a, a, a New England team that managed to score 16 points against a very good Dolphins defense. So you have that to, that to say as well. The Jets are going to have to score with them. I think that's going to be a thing because I don't really see how the Jets are. I, I don't. We can talk about how the Jets said they're going to stop it, how the Jets are confident they're going to stop it. I don't necessarily know how the Jets' defense is going to slow this particular Patriots offense because I just see the matchup problems being being issues for this team. All right. Well, speaking of the Dolphins, we are going to take a look at the AFC East coming up next and our much-anticipated can't-wait picks after a word from our sponsors. All right, Connor. So in addition to the Jets and Patriots, the Dolphins and Bills are facing off in Miami this weekend. The Bills, interesting week one. Josh Allen wasn't looking like the Josh Allen of last year. What are your early impressions of the division so far? Uh, Tua showed me a little bit. I mean, I, I'm on the boat that yeah. I don't think Tua is very good. I think I've, I've said that. I know that I don't know if he's near and dear to your heart because his brother's currently leading the Terps. How's he, how's he off? To, did he play a good game in the opener? So Maryland actually plays tonight versus Illinois. Um, That's their first they, game. I thought they played. No, no, they played twice. They're two and zero. Oh, okay, okay. Um, they beat uh, West Virginia and then they destroyed Howard last week. So a big, uh, big game against Illinois tonight. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, uh, uh, Talia is is looking really, really good. Yeah. So yep. Yeah, maybe Maryland's going to get a quarterback try. What year is he? Sophomore, junior? Can he be drafted I, this year? So he was actually at Alabama, um, and yeah. he transferred. So I believe he's a junior. Okay, so um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if he would, he would come out, but well, who wants not. to leave Maryland for the NFL? I, I mean, exactly. Who would want to leave Maryland? I would go back right now if you ask. unless unless you're unless you're Michael Dunn going to Jacksonville, then I go back to Maryland. <laughs> I figure, I figure, turn, right. give back, give back the paycheck and go back to Maryland. This summer we got a chance to. We got a chance to tour um, Maryland's new football facilities, um, which they had a nice, generous donation from Under Armour. Um, and let me tell you, unbelievable! Like, it, they have a you Dunn know, you got to. What? I'm not going to Maryland unless they put a Michael Dunn statue up. <laughs> no Michael Dunn statue, but I mean, the weight room, the the weight racks were so cool. They had facial recognition, so you can't cheat a rep. You walk up to the machine, and it scans your face. And the trainer puts in your individual workout and has all your reps, your weights, everything. Oh, wow. Like it was like it was like this. It was unreal. It was super cool. So 
big, big high hopes for the Terps. I mean, I always have high hopes for the Terps, but I mean, you know, that's how I roll. <laughs> um, I back back to, back to Tua. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I wasn't a big Tua fan. I, I loosely I was writing my column when that game was on, so I was loosely watching Patriots, Dolphins, Patriots, Dolphins, Patriots, Dolphins um, over my shoulder, but. I think we'll learn a lot about Tua this week. Now, the Bills game, I think that was, and, and people have talked about this, I think the Bills were just a little bit in their own heads. I mean, that, that's that's still a relatively young team. That's still a team that hasn't experienced success and consistent success that often. So They had some have, issues on the offensive line, too. Yeah, and when you have teams saying, you're a Super Bowl, you're the Super Bowl favorite, you're the Super Bowl favorite, I'm picking you to go to the Super Bowl. They were my Super Bowl pick. I think that that can get to your head a little bit and that can make you kind of go in and think, oh, we're just going to cruise to a victory. So I think that was a big come back down to earth moment for them, that loss, especially a game that they should not have lost. And now I think you'll see them get back on track. I don't think this is going to be like a a tailspin, you know, regression year for the Bills. I think the Bills are a very talented offensive team, a very talented defensive team and a very well coached team. And I have a really, really good quarterback. So I think what you'll see is them get back to now play. I think that was just the slap in the face that they needed to get going. With the Dolphins, I want to see a little, their defense is top notch. I like mm-hmm. the weapons that they have on offense. I like the receivers they have on offense. I like Flores also. I think Flores is a really good coach. It's just surprising because there's not too many great coaches that come from the Bill Belichick coaching tree. Like there's not that many of them. Like a lot of them struggle. I think he's one of like he's really really good coach. It's just Tua and can do it. Tua do it consistently. And I still. I'm on the side of the fence of no, where I don't think he's very good. I saw that interception he threw against the Patriots where he like scrambled off his back foot and threw it up, and, and New England should have won that game. But, I mean, gave the Dolphins' defense a ton of credit. I don't think the Dolphins are going to be able to stand up against really good teams, uh, and I, I just don't think Tua is very good. But I think that that game is going to show us a lot uh, about the division, about how good Tua is. About I mean, because if the Dolphins, if the Bills lose that one as well, Tua goes to 2-0, and and Tua looks mm-hmm. good in that game. Suddenly that's two good teams he's beaten. And for the Bills to start 0-2, and, and now suddenly maybe you don't look good. Josh Allen's regressing. Maybe you did drink too much of your own Kool-Aid. We'll see. So that's a good measuring stick game, I think, to, to figure out where the division's going to go from here on out. All right. It is time for the much-anticipated Can't Wait Picks presented by BetMGM. <laughs> How'd you like that one, Connor? <laughs> I did have a lot of intensity there. I have yep. much more intensity than Tim Brees. Well, I'm very excited about them because last year, I mean – Unfortunately, I lost at the very end last year to Tim, but I'm that's excited so because <laughs> I'm excited because I beat you. And really, like that's just my like life's mission is to to beat Connor in different you know things for work. So since you were the loser last year, third place, Jeez. Tim and I. I won the you. first year we did this. By the way, yeah, I won it I, all. Running the away. Year, the first year like doesn't count. Like it, I don't even remember. Oh, God. That. I don't yeah. even remember that. So you can go first. Uh, let's hear. So let's explain the rules. Um, each week, Tim, Connor, and I will submit three picks against the spread, um, and we will keep track all season. Obviously, if you get it correct, it's a point. There's no minus points, and a push is no points as well. Um, correct? Did we do that? Yes. <laughs> am I am I on the right page? Yeah. So basically, you get a point if you win. A push is nothing, and you don't lose any points. So three picks a week, and at the end of week 18, we will we will update you throughout the season, but we will total it all up by week 18, and then if we need to go into the playoffs because uh, we're tied or anything, we will do that. Um, but take it away, Connor. 
first up. Yeah, so we don't we don't count. We can do this too, Marissa, because we, we don't count it unless we want to count it. The Jets game, because we did that year one and then right. we adjusted because we were picking the Jets game. And I was like, I'm not I don't I don't like this line. I don't have a feel for this. Yeah. game, but we'll still pick it. So we'll still give our we should still give our Jets pick at the end, but mm-hmm. designated as like this is counting for my three or this is not counting for my three. So well, for me, I'll give my- Tim is Tim is picking the Jets game at some. Okay, point. I so I'm I won't not, say what side, but OK, I'm okay. not picking the Jets game. I have three picks that I like a lot more than the Jets, but I'll give my Jets pick after the three. Uh, The first one I am going to is going to be the Dolphins and the Bills. We were just talking about that game. I didn't want to, you know, spill too much before I got into this one. I'm picking that one, and I'm taking the Bills minus three and a half. Like I kind of said, I think that that team is a – I don't generally like picking against the home dog, but I just think that this Bills team is too good to lose two in a row. I think mm-hmm. this bill, this Bills team is one that was embarrassed last week and is pissed off coming off last week. And I think this is a Bills team that is ready to say, no, we are a team that should win 13, 14, 15 games this year. We are a team that's deserving of the Super Bowl uh, aspirations and pit, or that has Super Bowl aspirations and is a Super Bowl pick by so many teams. And we're worthy of that. And we are a team that is now going to come in here in Miami against Tua, who is the worst of the two Tua brothers and they are two Tugavailoa brothers and is going to put a smacking on the Dolphins. I like this line at minus three and a half. I'd like this line at minus four and a half. I'd like this line at minus five and a half. I just think the Bills are going to win this one going away. I do like the Dolphins defense. I do like the Dolphins playmakers, as I said. I do like the Dolphins coaching staff. But at the end of the day, I think the talent does eventually trump all. And I think the coaches are awash, but there is a big talent discrepancy with the Bills. I think the Bills are a very good team. And I think they're coming in there motivated. And you're going to see a Bills team take a big win. And I think this is the game where you see Tua regress. I think this is the game where we are all going to wake up Monday morning and see, should Dolphins go after Deshaun Watson? Should Dolphins call Texans? Should those conversations pick up? Because I think that's what's going to happen. You know, Tua survived the Patriots. Tua was not the reason that the Dolphins beat the Patriots. And I think the Bills are going to take a big one here. So I, my first pick is the Bills minus three and a half. The second one that I have is a game that I love the line. But I will admit, these I, I would say these next two games, I love both of the lines, but I'm a little nervous because the lines are are so, I love them so much that I almost feel like Vegas knows more than I do. So the first one I'm going to take is Bengals, given a point and a half plus two and a half over the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Andy, Wait, Dalton, so what did, what did you have that at? I have it at two and a half. Okay. Okay. What's it going? It, it Tim, Tim, Tim also has Bengals plus two and a half versus, okay. versus the Bears. All right, so I, I have the Bengals plus two and a half against the Bears. Andy Dalton stinks. Matt Nagy stinks. The Chicago Bears stink. About the only good thing that Dave Gettleman did was managing to pry the Bears' first-round pick for 2020 out of their hands for Justin Fields. The Bears are going to be abysmal until they decide to start a rookie quarterback. The fact that they aren't starting the rookie quarterback in the rookie quarterback deal is the most blasphemous thing I've ever seen. It goes the same from the 49ers. Trey Lance should be starting there as well. The Bengals, I had concerns about them. I, I read all the stories about how Joe Burrow looked bad in, in, in the summer. I read about how, you know, Jamar Chase is dropping all these passes. I read about how the sky is falling and Zach Taylor needs to be fired, all this stuff. So what did I do last week? I bet the Vikings. What happens? The Bengals <laughs> drop like 35 points on the Vikings. Joe Burrow looks great. Chase goes off for a hundred and a touchdown. Joe Mixon looks like a stud again. The offensive line's protecting Zach Taylor's a genius. So I am going <laughs> all in on the Bengals this week. 
plus two and a half against the Bears. I love the line. I love the line. So I think the line again should be much. I I, I wouldn't. I think the Bengals should be favored. Let alone the fact that they're given points in this game. So that scares me a little bit. But I am definitely going with the Bengals plus two and a half against the Bears. And my final pick, because I'm still so mad at the Vikings for losing that game. I am mad that they teased me by coming back then to blow it in overtime. I'm going with the Cardinals at home minus three and a half against the Vikings. Now, I will say this about against Arizona or about Arizona. They're a much better team than I thought they were. Kyler Murray is a much better quarterback than I ever thought he would be. That team has a great pass rush. The team has a great young quarterback. The team has surrounded his quarterback with protection and playmakers, alien concept. Kingsbury looks like he's really starting to figure out the NFL game now. So I love that Cardinal team. I think that Cardinal team might have a chance to, to win the uh, West over the Seattle Seahawks, over the 49ers. That might be a slight overreaction off of week one, but I'm definitely going to ride it going into week two. So my three picks, Bills minus three and a half, Bengals plus two and a half, and the uh, Cardinals minus three and a half. I love those three games. I'm hammering them. I'm taking them to the bank. I'm parlaying all three of them, hoping I'm starting this season three and now I like it all. And then for the game that I'm not betting because I don't really like the feel, especially because the line opened at three and a half and now it's all the way up to six, obviously, is the Jets and Patriots. I will say this. I think the game's going to be a little bit closer than some expect. It's a rookie quarterback, a rookie quarterback. It's a defense where Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich aren't crappy defensive minds. They aren't bad defensive minds. They're going to try to confuse Mac Jones as much as Bill Belichick decides to, tries to confuse uh, Zach Wilson. I don't know if this is going to be high scoring. I don't know. I, I go back and forth because I say, okay, they can't cover the two tight ends. And if they try to cover the two tight ends, that probably means Harris is going to run pretty well against them. I will say this. I don't like betting against a home dog. I think MetLife is going to be rocking with that crowd because it's the Patriots, the first home game in like 650 days or something crazy like that. I think the Jets are going to cover, but I don't think the Jets are going to win. I think this could be like a 24-21 game. I think this could be a 20-17 to game. I could even see this being like a 16-13 game where just no rookie, neither of the rookies are going to be able to get out. I like the line. At I thought the line was much more eh at three and a half than anything else. So if I was betting this game and I'm not, I would take the Jets as the home dog plus six. Uh, just get those points. If it goes to six and a half, I love that even more. Um, but I, I'm gonna, I'm not betting that game. But my Jets pick is the uh, the Jets plus six there against the Patriots. But ones that I'm actually putting money on are the Bills minus three and a half, Bengals plus two and a half, and then Cardinals minus three and a half. Well, loyal listeners know that I usually don't like to pick the same pick as you because I like to win and you always lose. But I except actually, for the first year where I yeah, ran away oh, yeah, with well, it. Well, we're not talking about that. Okay, but I actually do also have the Cardinals minus three and a half versus the Vikings um, for all the reasons that you said. Um, I also, th this pick, like I'm, I was really confident in, but the more I think about it, I'm not too sure. But I think I'm going Raiders plus six at I the Steelers. I did see that line. I'm a little concerned, like Heinz yeah. Field is, I mean, when it's talking about a stadium rocking, like that's a stadium rocking, but. The Raiders looked like pretty good on Monday Night Football against the Ravens. I mean, Yannick Ngakwe, I'm not sure if he will be playing this week. Um, he had a good game against the Ravens. Hashtag Terp. But, um, I mean, plus six, like, I, I don't know. I think I'm going to go with the Raiders. Um, so Raiders plus six, Cardinals minus three and a half, and then Chiefs minus three and a half versus the Ravens. The Ravens just, unfortunately, had so many injuries. Are they on the and, road? Are the Chiefs on the road? Um, yes, I believe so. 
um, since they were home last weekend. Um, yeah, so that one's in Baltimore. And another, you know, home opener for the Ravens, obviously, also has that home home advantage. But I don't know. What's that it's, line you say? Three and a half? Three and a half. I kind of like that, too. I'm not going to change my picks, but I think I might put some money on that one. I think the Chiefs yeah. are going to blow them out. I didn't know that was three and a half. But it is also, again, I don't like home dogs. I don't like home dogs. But um, the Ravens didn't look anything. great. Yeah, no. The Ra- I mean, the Raiders aren't a good team. And the, Ra- the Ravens lost to them. Yeah, they, they they showed some flashes. <laughs> you see you see, Jalen Hurts already has more 300-yard passing games than Lamar Jackson does. Wow. Hey, how about yeah. them Eagles? If I mean... Oh, they saw, the Falcons stink. I that, know, that, that, that I, game, the Falcons are awful. I know, the Falcons are awful. Devontae Smith, man, he he is going to be his. Yeah, he's going to be a problem. He is talented, very. talented. We saw him in the the joint practices, and he was, obviously it's the Jets secondary. They stink, but he was running routes on the Jets secondary, and there were a couple routes he ran in one on ones where I was like, "Holy hell!" Yeah, like that dude's a player. Like, yeah. I was like, man, can that guy run? Now, like, obviously his thing is that, you know, is he big enough? But, I mean, yeah. he's not playing tight end. He's not playing running back. He's not playing quarterback. You can avoid hits as a receiver, but, man, can that dude run routes? Yeah. And if you want to want to hear more about Devontae Smith, we actually, um, Nate Tyson, Robert Mays, did a um, full breakdown on him on today's Athletic Football Show. They have their five things they're watching heading into the weekend. And, spoiler, Devontae Smith is one of them. So, once you're done listening to this, you can download the Athletic Football Show and uh, – Check out what they had to say. But we have to read Tim's picks because, you know, Tim's home with a baby. I'm sure he will be watching. But Can Tim, I interrupt you real quick? Yes, interrupt I think me. I'm going to text Tim this. He should do, because you you did the thing with the guy who screamed Connor and blocked me on Twitter. Um, we need to have Tim do a selfie video of, like, his picks, reading his picks, and then we'll play it on the air. Because he's not back next week either, right? I'm not sure yet. We actually should have had him, like, have the baby make the picks somehow. Like, I don't know whether she, like... Can babies crawl yet? Can she crawl no. yet? Connor. Oh my God. She's like a week old. They babies, babies can't are. even babies can't even see at that age. Like you don't they can't? No. Your it's like blurry Why? for them. They have eyes. Oh my God. <laughs> what? It's not like they like just like come out and they're like, hey. <laughs> You're like everything. I know they don't talk yet, but like Yeah, but, ev- thought, but you don't so you I think a baby there? doesn't see until God, that's gonna be boring. So they just cry and sit there. They sleep, they eat, they poop. and they wake you up. Yep. God, that sounds. Oh, I want kids, but like this is I want like I want like a toddler. I want the kid that can. I want a kid. I just, I wish we Bree and I could like have the baby, and then as soon as we get the baby, it's already potty trained. You can already <laughs> tell me what it wants, and it's already cute. It's cute. All it babies cute are kid. cute, Connor. All babies mm, are cute. The chat is I loving that you did not know. Strongly disagree with that. There are. Definitely kids, babies that are not cute. That is 100%. not true. That is uh, not true. There are ugly babies. And I swear to God, it's, yes, there are. Yes. There are kids you like, you're like, ooh, <laughs> hope they grow out of that one. <laughs> All right. Well, the chat is getting a real kick out of the fact that Connor thought babies can just fully see and crawl and do everything right when they're. I didn't uh, move. I didn't I know mean, there was like this big ordeal over. I like it. They were moving. If that's the case, why do you have to put them in? If they can't move, why do you worry about putting them in a crib with, like, gates? Like, just you can put them anywhere. So, according to Google, a baby can't see till around their eight weeks old. Around three months. God, that's awful. (laughs) Now I know know why they're crying all the time. You can't do anything. You can't move. You can't talk. 
you can't you can't see anything that's that sounds terrible you get to sleep you get people to take care of you come on it's a lot easier than uh it's a lot easier than hosting this podcast with you oh oh burn oh wow just uh wow that dropping the bomb just end on that note my lord (laughs) all right we gotta read tim's picks and give our final thoughts and then get out of here so tim has the Bengals plus two and a half versus the bears like he said he has all right jets fans cover your ears he has patriots minus six versus the jets and he also has the same pick as me chiefs minus three and a half versus the ravens so I'm going three now. Not sure about you guys, but we shall see on <laughs> on Monday's episode. Uh, any final thoughts, Connor? Heading into week two? Uh, no. I'm just worried about beating traffic, honestly, because like I haven't had to worry about that because in 2019, <laughs> after the Jets started one and seven, there was no traffic on MetLife. I could leave. You know, it takes me an hour to get to the stadium from Princeton, and it, you know, I could leave an hour before I had to get there and I cruise right on through. And, and uh, I, I, from what I understand, there's going to be quite a bit of traffic. So I think it's gonna be fun to see MetLife rocking. I think it's gonna be fun to see everyone screaming and yelling. It's going to be fun to walk through a parking lot with fans there again. So I am genuinely looking forward to all of, all of the, uh, all of the fans being back and all that stuff. And, and I think it'll be fun. Well, thank you all for tuning in and listening to this edition of the Can't Wait podcast. We will be back with a recap of the Patriots game on Monday. And don't forget, you can save 50% off a one-year subscription to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash can't wait. Have a great weekend, everybody.